Hi guys, welcome back again to Vetfolio Voice. We've got something special in store for you for this episode. Dr. Swanda Flowers of First Financial Bank is back with us again. And she's joined by Ashley Moore, who's also a loan officer at First Financial. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first podcast that we did with Swanda or to watch the live webinar with both Ashley and Swanda that we recorded during VMX, be sure to check them out. I mean, these ladies are so knowledgeable and incredibly helpful when it comes to talking finances and vet med. I'll keep my comments brief so we can get into our episode, but first let me tell you a little bit about Swanda and Ashley. Dr. Swanda Flowers graduated from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences College of Pharmacy in 1999. So you heard that right. She is not only well-versed in the financial aspects of practice, she's also a fellow medical professional. In 2002, Dr. Flowers opened Flowers Pharmacy in Little Rock, Arkansas. And her expertise in pharmacology and business then led her to academia, where she led the way in pharmacy education, focusing on enhanced community practice services, entrepreneurship, ownership, business planning, and leadership and professional development. Dr. Flower's work can be seen in multiple publications, and she's a prominent face within many organizations. She's currently a loan officer for First Financial Bank in their professional services division, where she focuses her efforts on small businesses in both community pharmacy and independent veterinary practice ownership. Ashley Moore has over a decade of experience in growing successful business startups. She's worked with veterinary practices across the country and she's passionate about their results. Before joining the first financial team, she worked with various small businesses as the creator of launch and expansion strategies that have achieved exponential growth. She holds a degree in business management and marketing from Penn State and has leveraged her knowledge and experience to ensure the goals of small business owners are achieved. And you really hear this come across in their talk, whether it's this podcast, the last podcast we did, the webinar, you can tell that these ladies, they really know their stuff and they're so passionate about everything going as well as it possibly can for the veterinarians that they work with. Let's get into it. Ashley and Swanda, thank you so much for joining me again. We're so happy to have you back on the podcast. Thank you. We are glad to be here. Yeah, very excited to be back. So it's always a pleasure to speak with you guys. And for those who are just tuning in, maybe they haven't heard our previous recordings. Can you guys just start by describing First Financial, you know, kind of who you are, what type of business financing you specialize in? Absolutely. So Swanda and I, we are the veterinary lending team. So we specialize in working with veterinarians. We know the business inside and out and you know, know really what it takes and what to look for in a successful practice. Swanda and I both come from you know, an entrepreneurial business background. Swanda has actually owned her own pharmacy before. I've worked with a number of startups. So really enjoy working with veterinarians to either acquire, start, or grow their practices. Now we provide SBA loans up to $5 million for either startups, expansions, so expanding on your current business or acquisitions of a new practice. So yeah, we specialize in working with veterinarians like you. 
Awesome. And you guys are, are, I agree with you, so knowledgeable. I've, I've been so impressed with all the interactions we have of just how well you really do know the industry and relate to veterinarians and know some of the things that we need and we're looking for. Absolutely. We have only worked with veterinarians and in the pet care space. So we definitely like to stay up to date on what's going on in the industry, what to look for, and, and really, really like to help veterinarians and making their practices successful. Awesome. And you guys are doing an amazing job at that. And along those lines, today we're focusing on expansions, which of course are different from startups. So can we start off with some very basic information? Like for example, what is an expansion and what qualifies a business plan as an expansion? Absolutely. I think that that's a, that's a great question. And we, Ashley and I talked to a lot of veterinarians across the country who, you know, have existing practices and are sort of toying with the idea of, you know, I'm, I'm ready to grow my practice. I'm not exactly sure what that means. And so we can talk with them, you know, specifically about their practice and how they intend to grow it and what their plan is. And if that fits into, to this expansion model with the SBA, but essentially there's three criteria that we really need to look at. And that is one, is it an existing veterinary practice business that has been a business and operating for at least two years. So that's the first criteria. The second criteria is that if you are going to expand, you can have a a different business entity name. You can have a second location. You know, those things are fine from a legal perspective, but it does need to be in the same industry. And so we couldn't have, you know, a veterinarian like you come and say, oh, you know, now I want to open, you know, some other kind of retail business or, or this business that's unrelated to veterinary practice and consider it an expansion. So it needs to be in the same business arena. And then thirdly, it has to have the same ownership structure. And so for SBA to allow us to consider this an expansion, the ownership as far as, you know, how that's distributed, the percentage of ownership in the company needs to be the same if you're going to create a new business entity to expand your current one. And so those are the three criteria that we really, we have to look at in order to consider it an expansion. That can be anything from going from, um, I think we mentioned on the last podcast, going from a mobile practice to a brick and mortar, from one brick and mortar practice to two, going from a lease space. So, you know, we have a lot of veterinarians who have been operating their business, either they acquired a business and did a change of ownership, or they did a startup. They've done that, you know, they've, they've been in operation for more than two years, but they're ready to purchase a piece of property and either renovate or expand. All of those things are expansions. And so as long as they fit into those three criteria, the benefit of that is that the SBA allows us to do those loans for the veterinarians with 0% down. And so when we talked earlier on the last podcast, we talked about the fact that 10% cash injection is required for most of these practice loans, whether that involves real estate or not, you know, it's just the practice or it is the practice plus commercial real estate. Usually there's a 10% cash down requirement for these change of ownerships. When it's an expansion, we can use the equity that you've built up in your business. So the current equity, we can put a value on that and basically use that in lieu of a cash injection. And so, you know, really kind of, you know, there's a lot of flexibility, you know, in in what an expansion can be and look like based on, you know, the individual practice. 
So a lot of options there in terms of the veterinary business. I'm really interested in what you said about changing from a leasehold and expanding into something else, because in the past we've talked about real estate and how owning, purchasing the real estate can really make a difference. So can you just elaborate a little bit on the decision to own real estate associated with the business and whether it's purchasing a a building or new construction? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the main things that holds people back from purchasing the real estate in the first place is the price tag. But one thing that they have to understand is that having that real estate actually can extend the loan term out to 25 years. So what that means is if you're purchasing just a practice, leasing a space, the loan term is 10 years. So if you're just, for example, paying $500,000 for that practice, loan term 10 years, say $5,000 a month. If you add in real estate, it extends that out up to 25 years. So say it's over, it has to be over 51% of the business to get that full term, but we can also blend it together depending on what that real estate is worth versus the practice. So if we can extend it out to 25 years, even if it adds you know, another million dollars to the purchase price, that payment will be similar because that loan term is longer. Another thing to consider is the rent. When when you're leasing a space, you are paying rent to a landlord with a owned space and having that commercial real estate, that rent gets paid to the owner. So it actually helps to increase that owner's compensation. So it can offset the the payments and, and things like that. And third, another important thing to keep in mind is the collateral piece. Having that piece of commercial real estate to be used as collateral for the loan can make a big difference when it comes to the bank loans and things like that. So there really is a lot of benefit to having that commercial real estate versus, you know, leasing a space or just having the practice. Swanda, did you want to add anything? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, Ashley. And I think, you know, when we, one of the things that we focus on, and and we've talked about this multiple times too, is cash flow. And we have to look at your ability to to service the debt because at the end of the day, if we if we loan you money that you can't afford to pay back, nobody is successful. So we're not successful. You're not successful as a practitioner. And so we're very careful about examining cash flow. And and one of the things that happens is with being able to extend that loan over a 20 or 25 year period, you know, based on that ratio that Ashley mentioned, that really helps cash flow. And so you can almost, you know, you add a couple million dollars to a loan. And, you know, when you amortize it over 25 years versus 10, you would be shocked at, you know, how small the payment increase is. And so it, it is something worth considering every time that you think about, you know, expansion or the opportunity to own the real estate, you really need to examine all of the options so that you clearly understand what that cash flow difference is. So we encourage customers to do that all the time. And then again, like Ashley said, I mean, anytime that you can have that collateral for the bank, you know, we are, we're always glad to lend money for things that are tangible. And, you know, many times with your practice, it's goodwill or blue sky. And, and so those are some considerations, you know, from a lending perspective that, that we think about every time we talk to a customer. 
That makes sense. And thinking about rent, you know, if you're paying rent, then you're paying, you know, you're going to pay some amount of money in perpetuity without building a ton of equity on that. So, I mean, if you can pay that a similar amount of money and then own it at the end and maybe not pay that forever, then that could be really beneficial. Well, absolutely. And then you also own that property so that when you might be ready to transition and think about retirement, you know, you can even hold on to that property and the the next owner may own the practice for several years until you're ready to to sell the property as well. And so there there's also a nice transition plan built into owning your real estate as well. Absolutely. And what are your thoughts on purchasing land and an existing building versus new construction? Any differences there or kind of, you know, the same concept across the board? It's really the same concept from a collateral standpoint or a cash flow you know, standpoint. All of those things are the same. So whether you you build a building from you know kind of the dirt up or whether you find a building that you can renovate, I think that the the big issue right now, and you know, many of the listeners are probably familiar with this, is that after COVID, construction's been difficult just because of the supply chain issues. And so we're finding that construction is much more expensive right now. Sometimes we're talking to customers and it's much easier for them to find an existing building and renovate than it is to build from the ground up. And so, you know, really just thinking about what works best for you, what location is best for you, what's available in that location, those will often dictate that decision. But right now we do have to think about construction costs and is that feasible as we are still sort of recovering from the pandemic. Absolutely. The construction, construction is a little tough right now, like you said. Very expensive right now. Yes. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Ashley, did, did you want to add something? I don't want to cut you off. Oh, no, no. I, I just, you know, one thing to consider too is the time frame when looking at renovating an existing building versus building from the ground up as well. Obviously, starting from scratch is going to take you longer. So just, you know, when, when you're looking at either expanding or starting up or whatever the case may be, you definitely want to factor that in too and have that in your transition. You know, it definitely plays a role in, you know, your existing leased space and things like that. So, you know, definitely a lot of factors at play when making that decision, but yeah, I, I, to second what Swanda said, it, it's definitely been a different environment now post-COVID with increased costs and things of that nature and kind of just unknowns moving forward. But hopefully we'll we'll see some light at the end of the tunnel there. Man, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> some big advantages if you can find a turnkey these days. Yeah, very, That's very right. much so. So can we take a minute and transition to acquisitions and talk about how an acquisition is different from an expansion and what kind of considerations business owners should keep in mind, depending on what type of business model they're pursuing? Yeah, I think that with the acquisitions, you know, change of ownerships and, you know, Ashley and I do these all day long. And so, you know, I would say that most of our transitions are, or most of our transactions are probably acquisitions and changes of ownership. We do talk to a lot of veterinarians who maybe have had a relief type business or they have created their own LLC or their own business and they're ready to to buy a practice. If it hasn't been in existence for two years and we really, you know, we can't make that leap into an expansion, then it's going to be considered an acquisition. 
Or if, you know, we have a, an associate veterinarian who's been working at a practice, that's also a really common model that we see. And they have the opportunity to purchase the practice where they've been working. And that's usually a wonderful scenario for everybody. In those cases where there's that 100% change of ownership, there is a 10% cash injection requirement. This transaction can also include real estate or not include real estate. And so when we talk about an acquisition, that could be an acquisition of the practice assets only or an acquisition of the practice assets and the commercial real estate where that practice resides. So both can be considered an acquisition change of ownership. In both cases, we would look at that with a practice acquisition. We can finance that over 10 years. If you then include the real estate, as we mentioned before, and that acquisition includes the practice assets plus the commercial real estate, then based on the ratio of those two costs, basically what they're worth, then we can do a blended term up to 25 years. In both cases, it, it does require that 10% cash injection. You know, we are, we're always encouraged to to talk with veterinarians about acquisition because, you know, one of the biggest benefits is financial freedom. And, you know, we talk to a lot of veterinarians who still have student loans or, you know, uh, concerned about debt load and how does this look and, and can I really afford this? And it's our job as a lender to walk through that with them and help them understand what that cash flow looks like, not just from a, a business debt servicing perspective, but also globally. And so Ashley and I are going to look at the business and take a look at that cash flow, be sure that it can service the loan that we're talking about. But then we're also going to look at that veterinarian, that new owner's current debt load personally, and, and be sure that globally they can continue to service all of their debt. But typically what happens is once we go through that sort of exercise with that potential new owner, what they realize is at the end of the day, they can be looking at up to three times more in owner compensation than they were receiving as an associate veterinarian. And so, you know, a lot of people will kind of chuckle when we say this, but Ashley and I tell people all the time, the best way to pay off your student loan debt is through ownership. And that seems, you know, sometimes seems a little odd and maybe counterintuitive, but it is true. You know, if we look at the average associate salary, you know, which is depending on where you are in the country, eighty-five dollars to $90,000 a year, something like that, you know, the average owner compensation is upwards of, of $300,000. And so that's a real that's a real consideration, you know, when we're talking to these associate veterinarians who are a little nervous about how they're going to service that debt. It is amazing how quickly you can begin to feel some financial freedom and independence when you think about that owner compensation at the end of the year. I feel like that's such a good reminder that it's like, keep telling us, because the idea of more debt is so scary, <laughs> um, but to, you know, kind of remember how it all plays out in the long run and, you know, so happy that we have folks like you who can walk us as veterinarians through that scary process and say, you know, this is how this is going to look. And like you said, take a look at it, not just from uh, can you pay the loan back standpoint, but how this is really going to play out for, for an individual in the long run. Right. Absolutely. And just to, you know, second what Swanda said as well. I mean, there's just so much opportunity. And as you mentioned, that additional debt can look very scary, but when you really factor in what the compensation, you know, opportunity is, it, it really, really is setting, setting you up for, you know, years down the road and just, you know, kind of to elaborate on 
the acquisition piece of it. One thing that Swanda and I say to everybody when looking to acquire a practice, make sure that you have the most up-to-date financial information. Make sure that you have good financials. Never accept incomplete or mixed matched financial information, if you will, because, you know, it is a, you know, a burden and a large debt that, you know, will be taken on. So make sure you have the full financial picture. So you are setting yourself up for success in the long road. That's such good advice. You guys are always so full of just super helpful information. So encouraging. We love having you on the podcast. Any final thoughts you want to share with us? So I think the only thing I might mention as a, a final thought is sometimes what seems like the elephant in the room, and that is the difference that we see right now in individual buyers versus corporate buyers. And I think that there's a lot of associate veterinarians out there who are feeling a little discouraged and are feeling like, you know, they don't have opportunities right now for ownership because these there are corporate entities now that are involved with buying practices. And, you know, what Ashley and I say to those associate veterinarians is, you know, just keep your eyes open for the right practice. So typically, you know, corporate entities are not buying practices that are one or two DVM practices. They're also usually not interested in the real estate. And so there are a lot of practices out there with owners who are ready to transition. They are ready to enter into retirement and they have got some great practices and great opportunities for associate veterinarians to take the reins and grow their practice. And so I would encourage associate veterinarians to think about that do not get into a bidding war. We say all the time, this is business. Don't let it become emotional because you can't pay too much, you know, and, and you'll get outbid by these corporate entities. If, if you're looking at a practice that, that a corporation is interested in, you're going to probably get outbid. And if that's the case, you know, we just encourage our customers to take a deep breath and keep looking because there are great opportunities out there. So do not be discouraged, keep your eyes open and prepare yourself personally so that, you know, your finances are in order so that when that opportunity pops up, you're ready to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of to Swanda's point as well, it's never too early to reach out to us and to get prepared. So when those opportunities come up, you are ready, whether it be, you know, you have a plan for a startup in five years and you're, you're kind of just looking for, you know, a space or some land or something like that, or you started your practice and you're thinking about your expansion plan five years down the road definitely reach out to us. We can help you get prepared for that. So when the time comes, you're ready to go. I love it. All important things that we really need to keep in mind, you know, as we navigate this interesting and sometimes scary process. So thank you guys so much for joining us, you know, being with us today. And again, for all of the fantastic information that you always bring to the table. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you very much. Every time I chat with these ladies, I walk away having learned so much. So I really hope that all of you feel the same way. Thank you so much, Swanda and Ashley, for joining us. Thank you to First Financial Bank for sponsoring this episode. And thank you so much to all of you for joining us. If you'd like to find more episodes like this, click on the Education tab on Betfolio's webpage. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. 
feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. Thank you.